Hello, Clash fans, and welcome to Episode 7 of Inside Clash with Trample Damage. I am your host, Trample Damage. I actually should have probably named this thing Inside Clash. Then I could start out by saying, Welcome to Episode 7 of Inside Clash. I am your host, Trample Damage. But that horse is out of the barn, so we'll just keep running with it. Welcome to Inside Clash with Trample Damage. I'm your host, Trample Damage. Today, we are going to be discussing heading into the July Clan War League in a week or so here, depending on when I post this and when you listen to this. July 2023 Clan War League. We just had a really cool update for Town Hall 15. Lots of new troop levels. Of course, a few evil new defense levels, but lots of new troop levels. New hero levels. A level 15 lassie, which most people are incredibly excited about. So I'm going to run down the top 10 attacks I anticipate seeing most heavily in Clan War League as a result of all the cool new troops that we got. Then, of course, not to disappoint people who really love the uh, little nuances of mathematical stuff in the game, the bat spell and the bats and how bats interact with some of the buildings on the bases as you are attacking. And then, of course, as usual, we will wrap up with some questions from the audience. Marsha Queen, where the hell did you run off to? I broke open all of these walls that were here for you. Now I'm feeling the rage that should be your rage as I watch while you circle this base. No clue what to do, I depended on you, and I'm lucky I managed to salvage the two. Hopefully you enjoyed whatever cringy music I decided to come up with to kick this episode off. And with that, we will dive into the 10 attacks I anticipate seeing in Clan War League coming up here. And this is all, you know, I'm really happy with Town Hall 15 update right now. I've upgraded troops, on most of the troops that I'm interested in on a couple of my bases. And I'm loving, honestly, I'm loving the Apprentice Warden. I still think that this guy is going to make a big splash and replace a healer or add to a queen charge in a lot of instances but uh, i'm really excited about the update i love that the dragons got a new level i love that hog riders got a new level i love that healers got a new level honestly i love all the three stars that i'm seeing in the clan wars that we've been having since the update dropped i'm stoked i'm excited Let's go ahead and count down from 10 to 1. What I'm going to do is tell you briefly what the army is, why I expect to see it, and the types of bases that it will be useful for you to use when you are attacking. Starting with number 10, I'm going to say thanks to the new level of the baby dragon. Note the theme here, new levels of troops. The new level of the baby dragon, the inferno dragons have gotten more powerful. And I anticipate what with the changes to the super archer blimp, because that will definitely have an impact on the meta. Super archer blimp was a staple for most of our attacks over the course of the last nine months or so. And we are going to see some modifications because of how quickly the troops evacuate the blimp, which to be honest, if you had crashed in some giant zip heading toward a major building, you'd want to get out of there as quickly as possible too, so now it just feels a little bit more realistic. Anyway, the Super Minion Blimp is something that I have seen starting to replace Super Archer Blimps, particularly for air attacks. Now, I will talk about seeing some Super Archer Blimps in some of the attacks as we count down from 10 to 1, but Inferno Dragons, I think, are going to wind up having a very strong approach using Super Minions, a Super Minion Clone Blimp, to help devastate the core, particularly against ring bases and box bases. The ring bases where sometimes it's very difficult to land a super archer blimp because you don't know where those double giant bombs are going to be. Obviously, a second attack in regular clan war, not as much of a problem for the super archers because you will know what is on the ground where they're landing in a lot of instances. 
But in Clan War League, you are going to have to go in not knowing where all the traps are. And the super minions are actually pretty resilient to tornado traps because for the most part, they stay right where they're at when they pop. So even if you pop the blimp right where there is a tornado trap, you don't have to worry about like with balloons where instead of them making it to the town hall or whatever your intended target, they just sit there spinning in circles doing nothing. The super minions just spin in circles firing their rockets at the buildings they were going to attack anyway. So, Super Minion Blimp Start for an Inferno Dragon attack, I think is going to have a very strong opportunity, again, for ring bases and box bases in particular, a little bit of funneling on one side with your heroes, Super Minion Blimp coming in, Inferno Babies tearing up the base, I think is going to be a great thing that we will potentially see. Coming in at number 9, I anticipate seeing, thanks to the new level of the Yeti, a resurgence of the Yeti Super Archer attacks. That is a very easy attack to execute. You pick the correct side of the base to come in on, you path accordingly, and whether you go more my style with a double quad quake, really breaking the base open, or if you go a little bit more surgical with a jump spell and some rage spells and then allowing your yetis to pound through the walls, I believe the yeti super archer combination, particularly with log launchers and maybe even some with a battle drill, I think are going to have a lot of success. These attacks, what I've noticed more often than not, are not great against the ring bases. They can work very well against the box bases when you're coming opposite the town hall. They can work well for teaser bases when you're coming opposite the town hall. Not as strong against the ring bases because when that town hall Giga Tesla explodes and you have the poison spell, it can gobble up all of your archers. It can gobble up all of your yetis. It can gobble up your yeti mites. It can really destroy what is left of your army as they're trying to push through to then would be the back half of the base. So I do anticipate seeing that attack, and I do anticipate seeing it using a log launcher, but I do not necessarily think it's going to be incredibly dominant, so that's why I'm sitting it at the number 9 position. Number 8, I have seen a lot of attacks in a couple different clans with people using super dragons. Of course, the new level of the dragon, go Hydra attacks, the new level of the dragon has meant a new level for the super dragons, which actually puts them very closely back to where they were before they got their initial nerf, and they were very powerful at that point. So I've seen a lot of attacks coming in with a super archer blimp using, you know, seven invisibility spells and some clones and rage, or six invisibility spells plus some clone, a clones? I don't know, I did that backwards. A clone, seven invisibility, and a rage, or a rage, two clone, and six invisibility to pave the way for the super dragons. And honestly, core the base so that the super dragons can essentially go around the flank. Now, one of the main targets you're going to need to get if you're trying to use super dragons, you have to take the monolith. The monolith will make very, very short work of your super dragons because the free spell, it's not like with an inferno tower that's on single target mode where the freeze spell will reset that damage. The monolith, as soon as it cools off and that freeze has worn off, it is right back to dealing massive amounts of damage to those super dragons. And most of the super dragon attacks I've been seeing have been using five or six super dragons, and so a monolith getting a hold of two or three of them means, you know, half your army has just been wiped out. They are very good against ring bases because the super dragons do well floating around the outside after using the blimp to take out the core of the base. Now, I think this is probably slightly less true against incredibly densely packed cores where there is a true ring with a lot of stuff in the center because inevitably the super archers will not take out all of that and the super dragons will probably stay floating around the outside 
while sustaining damage from the buildings in the core. So do be careful about the approach, but I do believe there's going to be a resurgence of Super Dragons. Honestly, I think it would see a lot more play if, even though I know we can cancel Super Troops now, it's still a very expensive proposition when we just got 20 new hero levels. Well, 15 new Dark Elixir hero levels, plus 10 new pet levels that nobody but me cares about. I'll come back to that on another episode, probably. But there's a lot of Dark Elixir to spend on new troops and new hero levels, so I don't know that people are going to be that excited about constantly spending 25,000 Dark Elixir to then cancel it and spend some more. Uh, if Super Dragons were a little bit more well-rounded and more versatile, I think we would see a lot more of them, but I do anticipate seeing a decent amount in Clan War League. Coming in at number 7, the Electro Dragons, I believe, are still going to wind up holding a pretty decent spot with a Queen Charge Electro Dragon attack, particularly against the box bases. Box bases where, let's just say, you know, the upper quadrant that would be like the 12 o'clock position on the map, and then the side quadrant that would be the 3 o'clock position on the map, and there is like the middle 2 o'clock, 1.30-ish compartment, which is where you often find the town hall for these box bases. When somebody uses a queen charge and a recall spell to wipe out, let's say, the 3 o'clock compartment, and then redeploys the queen at the 12 o'clock compartment, sending Electro Dragons right through the town hall, it's a very, very powerful attack, because you can use the Grand Warden's Eternal Tome to protect through the explosion of the town hall along with the poison, and a rage to see those Electro Dragons safely out. People are often doing this with a flame flinger on one side to continue funneling the side that the queen started on with her queen charge. It's a very powerful attack I've seen executed a number of times with great success, and I anticipate it still holding a place in this new Town Hall 15 meta. Mainly, you know, we're going to wind up getting a, you know, some new hero level, I mean, the new healer levels for the queen plus five new queen levels. It's going to give her enough firepower, I think, to really continue putting a lot of pressure and creating that beautiful funnel on those box bases for the Electro Dragons. Number six, and I struggled with this one because I actually think it might wind up higher than this. I'm going to say Super Bowlers. Super Bowlers were such a powerful option for Town Hall 14. And absent a new level of bowlers for Town Hall 15, they were not quite strong enough to continue powering through the addition of the monolith, which again, same thing with the super dragons. A couple super bowlers get caught by the monolith and your attack is in deep trouble very quickly. Without the new level for the super bowlers, it was a little difficult to justify using them against what was essentially just a much more powerful Town Hall 14 with the evil poison towers and the evil rage towers. And, of course, the Monolith, now at the extra level on the Super Bowlers, along with the extra level on the Healers, I believe this attack has a lot of potential to see. I've already seen some really cool Super Bowler attacks. Again, it faces the same thing that some of the other cool Super Troops face, which is, I can only use two Super Troops at a time, and even if I was made of Dark Elixir, it's a pain to have to choose not to use Super Wall Breakers or Sneaky Goblins for maybe normal attacks in order to be using a Super Bowler instead. But I really anticipate seeing Super Bowlers. They work incredibly well against box bases. I don't personally like Super Bowlers that much for like the teaser bases where the base is sort of in the corner, but I do love them against box bases. And if you place your jumps appropriately, they are very powerful as well against ring bases because the super bowlers can often, with three or four of them under rage, take out the town hall, even though it's going to be set too far back from whatever that inner row of walls might be, they'll still be able to take it out because of how much range they have with that triple bounce. So I do anticipate super bowlers making a splash. 
Coming in at number five, which I am, I might be wrong about this one. I think just because of them being new, we're going to see a lot of super hog rider attacks, particularly the queen charge variant, which works really, really well against teaser bases and also against box bases because you can queen charge into the town hall compartment and allow those super hog riders to run rampant through the rest of the base after a little bit of funneling, usually at the hands of your barbarian king and his level 15 lassie. No? Nobody? Nope, just me. Okay. We'll see what I can do with that. I do anticipate because of how much excitement there is around the Super Hogs and what a cool and unique troop it is, I really anticipate seeing a decent chunk of Super Hogs in this Clan War League. I've already seen a lot of really cool attacks with them, and I'm very curious to see what else is on the horizon. Coming in at number four, I am going to say that the various types of Electro Titan attacks that have been very dominant for many of us over the course of the last nine months are still going to have a place, whether it is the Zap Titan variant or if we are looking at the Sarch Titan variant, where you know Super Archer Blimp has been a staple of setting up these the Electro Titan attack, I anticipate a lot of people having that same level of comfort, that same familiarity with the attack, and they are going to continue trying to make it work. Electro Titans are still incredibly powerful troops. They launched with Town Hall 15 as one of the troops that were really capable of shining in the somewhat oppressive environment that the Spell Towers and the Monolith had created. I do not believe believe that we will see too much of a drop-off in the Titan attacks, but I definitely don't see them being one of the top three attacks just because there's cooler, newer stuff that people are going to wind up using. Coming in at number three, which used to hold for me against, again, in high-level Clan War League attacks, variants of Lalo. Whether it's a Queen Charge Lalo, a Sarch Lalo, or a Zap Lalo, Lalo has always been a staple of the competitive scene. It has always been a staple of the high-level Clan War League scene. It has been a staple of many high-value Legend players over the course of the years. I do not anticipate too much of a drop-off, but I do think that we are still going to see the Lalo drop from what is going to be the number one strategy to dropping into the third position here. I anticipate because of the new level of healers, seeing the Queen Charge variant being the most popular. I think the Sarch version and the Blizz versions are going to see less value because of how much more dangerous it is to try to drop and land successfully a blimp for the Queen Charge on those Lalo attacks. Coming in at number two, near and dear to my heart, is going to be the Hydra attack. I have been so excited seeing the new level of the dragons. I've been using them in Legend League. I've been back in Legend League for the first time in... I don't know, three or four months. I think that my disappointment with how difficult Town Hall 15 was gave way to an unhealthy infatuation with the clan capital. And now that we've got some new troops and new levels of Town Hall 15, I'm very excited again. And I'm having a lot of fun with Hydra. What I'm using right now actually is an Electro Dragon and four balloons in the clan castle. And I'm running a three clone variant because that clone spell also gave us an extra balloon now climbing over the 40 troop housing threshold. I know some people are excited about like, hey, you can get two dragons or you could fit a super witch in there. You could fit a super dragon in there. I'm excited about getting eight balloons out of a clone spell or in some instances, two balloons and an electro dragon. Uh, I've had a couple of attacks I've done now where, you know, like the balloons get puffed off topic by by the sweeper and I drop my clone spells and all of a sudden I got four electro dragons under rage in the core and that's actually really powerful as well. So I'm, I'm really loving Hydra, the new level on the dragons, the new level on the clone spell. They've been great. I've been meeting with a lot of success. I'm super excited about it. And because dragons are 
they're not exactly like a completely spammy attack, but they are definitely much easier to execute because you're not as worried about the way that the pathing is created from the walls. You're really just a little bit of a funnel with your heroes and send the blimp in toward the town hall. With the ease of that attack, I do think it's going to be one of the top attacks that we wind up seeing, but I don't think we're going to see anything more than we will see the hybrid attack. So Queen Charge Hybrid was it also, since the Siege Barracks was originally dropped way back when Town Hall 13 came out, way back, like it was that long ago, way back in the day when Town Hall 13 came out. I was actually taking a break when Town Hall 13 came out, so I missed the first few months of the furor that was created by the Siege Barracks. But Queen Charge Hybrid, very powerful attack, one of the most powerful and most consistent attacks in the hands of a skilled Queen Charger, and I, I know that... The Miner got a new level when Town Hall 15 came out, but the lack of a new Hog Rider level, the lack of a new Healer level, definitely made it to where the hybrid attack was not the go-to attack that a lot of people were looking for. But with the new level of Hog Rider and the new level of Healer, I highly anticipate seeing a ton of hybrid attacks in this Clan War League. Because number one, Hog Riders, they're so much fun! And... It is a it's a it's a forgiving attack, right? If if your queen fails to charge into the town hall, you've got usually ten to fifteen hog riders who can make short work of it as well. Even though you're, you know you're giving up the three star potentially, you're not you're only going to get the two. There's a lot of opportunity to recover in these attacks, and honestly, there's a ton of teaser bases that we're going to wind up seeing. And the queen charging in to take the town hall, it, let's say that's at the six o'clock compartment. The king and the siege barracks funneling at the 3 o'clock or 9 o'clock side, and then the hogs and miners going right through the core. It's going to be very, very powerful. I don't love it against ring bases, but against teaser bases and box bases, amazing strategy. I love it. I think it's going to be very dominant, the number one thing that we wind up seeing. I don't know if you guys agree with me. I don't know if you anticipate seeing better things out there. I will, of course, potentially stand very, very corrected by the time Clan War League wraps up, but uh, I am curious to see where we're going to land. Moving along from those attacks, we're going to talk about the bat spell. A lot of people don't necessarily know exactly how the bat spell works, either that or I'm just going to pretend like a lot of people don't know how the bat spell works because I need something to talk about in my math segment of the podcast. So we're going to be discussing the bat spell. Many people do not know what kind of damage those bats will deal. Everybody knows the bats go for defenses, and if you didn't, welcome to Inside Clash with Trample Damage. The bat spell makes bats, and they go for defenses. So the bats actually deal 30 damage per second, which, because they attack every 2 seconds, is 60 points of damage per attack. They are a very, very powerful troop. We have seen the bat spell nerfed a number of times over the years as they realized that maybe too many bats were coming from the bat spell or the bats moved too quickly. But the bats deal 60 damage per second. They have a very paltry amount of hit points. They only have 20 hit points. So these are, you know, their bats are made of paper. They are indeed one of the fastest troops in the game at a movement speed of 56, which if you've ever used bats or seen bats in, they are very powerful. I did not mention this when I was talking about the top 10 attacks, but the Yeti Super Archer attack, one of the variants that I have been seeing actually already is a Yeti Super Archer with the bat spells, right? So the Yetis and the Super Archers pound through really the first half of the base, and on the back end, the bats are clearing out the defenses. You're bringing the Yetis and the Super Archers in up against the heavier concentration of Inferno Towers when set on multi-target mode, along with the Scatter Shots and the Wizard Towers. But the bats are actually also a great option for 
the for the bowler sorry the yeti and super archer attacks as well but the bats themselves are a very cool troop they're they're something that they don't have like in game when you click on the bat spell it doesn't actually show you the bat and the stats and and the damage that the bats wind up doing one of the things not everybody necessarily understands fully is even though the bats are really great for taking out defenses and they're good for cleaning up because of course they are a flying troop that moves incredibly quickly the bane of the bats or the bane of the bat spell is really resource buildings if you've ever watched a swarm of bats basically they dip down they wipe out a scatter shot they dip down they wipe out a wizard tower they dip down they wipe out a net expo and then then they spend 10 seconds going after a gold storage and sometimes i've had people ask me like what does it like did they get hit by a bomb did something catch them why so slow on the storages well the bats deal only 15 percent of their damage to the resource storage building. So your gold storage, your dark elixir storage, your elixir storage, instead of having bats deal 60 damage per attack, per attack. So every time they dip down, so that 30 seconds, 30 damage per second is actually only going down to four and a half damage per second, which is nine damage per attack against the storage buildings. I had somebody ask me why that is the case, and the simple answer is with an earthquake spell and a rage spell, a couple of bat spells with an invisibility could very quickly and easily take out a town hall. So the 15% damage that is being dealt by the bats is, more than anything, an opportunity to prevent the bats from simply being able to snipe the town hall the same way they could snipe an eagle artillery or they could snipe a clan castle. You have seen from skeleton attacks, from the, the skelly donut lalo, right, or a skelly donut mass hog rider attacks that are popular that were very heavily popularized by Synthe, but the Skelly Donut attacks, when they're taking out the clan castle and two important defenses, imagine if instead of taking out the clan castle, you were taking out the town hall. Because a raged bat is actually dealing 168 damage every time it dips down to hit whatever building it's attacking. If if you had like, so a bat spell produces up to 22 bats when it's maxed. A max bat spell, if you get all 22 bats out, which they don't come instantly, but let's just pretend for a moment you happen to get all 22 of these bats out and you have them going up against a town hall, you earthquake the town hall, which will take 30% of the town hall's hit points right off the top. So now you're already taking it down to under 7,000 hit points and 22 bats under rage would be dealing almost 2,000 damage per second, like 1,848 damage per second, if you had 22 raged bats, which means a max town hall 15, which has 9,600 hit points, would go down in 5.2 seconds to 22 bats. Now, if you were to say a an earthquake spell, that's one spell slot, a rage spell, that's two more spell slots, and three bat spells. We're at six housing space with one invisibility spell, you would actually be able to take out a town hall with those three bat spells. So a seven spell spend or resource allocation to take out the town hall is something that is far too powerful to allow to happen against the town hall. So 
bats only deal 15 15% of their damage against the resource buildings, which I think was probably a good idea because the bats were also very powerful with cleanup and the, the resource buildings, the storages, taking only 15% damage from the bats was actually a nice way to help make the bats a little bit less broken than they were when they first came out. But uh, the bigger piece of that is just making sure that they can't simply snipe the town hall. Now, if you were to take, let's just simple example again of the 22 bats that are under rage dealing... Uh, 1,848 damage per second to the town hall because they only deal 15% of their damage to the town hall. Instead of it being a 5.2 second attempt for them to wipe out the town hall, it would take them almost 35 seconds. So 34.6 seconds it would take 22 bats under rage to wipe out the town hall. I still love the bat spell. I think the bat spell is amazing. I think in the right hands, the bat spell is one of the best spells you can possibly use at a number of town halls. And it's just something that we have to keep in check by having it be nerfed a little bit against the resource buildings. And with that, we will move on to the final segment of our show. Questions from the audience. I do have seven questions that we'll be answering today, and we're going to start with one from Duck. What is a goal or ambition related to your content creation that you would like to achieve in the next year? I am a big fan of continuous growth and continuous improvement. Uh, The podcast being the newest, fanciest thing in my repertoire and my, my Clash content creation, I I would love to see an episode get to a thousand downloads, and I think it's going to be a long time before that happens. But I think that would be pretty cool. I have had a couple of episodes. You know, I, I think I'm about three or four episodes now that have, have clipped over the 200 download mark. Uh, I would love to see that number climb. I'm hoping that with the power of social media, whether it be on my Discord server or promoting it through my TikTok, which I haven't done very much so far, I'm I'm hoping maybe I'd be able to get that. I, I don't honestly know what kind of volume the other podcasts wind up doing, but uh, I'm, I'm super proud of what I have accomplished so far. And if I hit a thousand downloads on an episode, I will probably celebrate by... I don't know, celebrating. I'm really not that exciting. I'll probably say something like, woohoo, and I'll probably mention it on a future podcast episode. Question number two is coming from Wheatley. Wheatley said, how were the builder base layouts made with the new update, and are they viable as layouts? So this is one where I I did have a lot of insight because of the creator program. We got to see sort of the the step-by-step process that the base migration was going to take. And they covered it incredibly well. There were very detailed instructions. And, you know, they translated the game code and the, what I don't know if it's SQL statements that are being executed, whatever script is running to migrate the bases from the one layout to the two separate stages, I think we're calling them, the two separate stages of which buildings had to go where, there were very detailed prescribed directions on how that process was going to happen, which unfortunately did gobble up some of the grass art that people had put together. The bases that they put together, so in the dev build, there were a whole bunch of builder base layouts for us to test, and some of those bases were built by the Clash team, but because they needed so many of them and they wanted some variety, they enlisted the help of RH Base Building, who I think has a creator code, I just don't remember off the top of my head, and I did not do the research ahead of time, I should have done that, but uh, RH Base Building is one of the base building services that are out there. They not only do regular bases, of course, for Town Hall 15, for competitive wars, but uh, they also make builder base layouts available and they provided 
quite a few of the new builder base layouts. As far as their viability, I don't think very many people are because of how many there are, I don't think many people are going to have an opportunity to like really practice against those sort of default layouts that we had. I know I haven't really changed any of the layouts that I got with my bases, but that's because I don't really take the builder base that seriously. I take it as uh, an avenue for completing clan games as quickly as possible. I know that there are other people who sort of feel the same way, but the I don't think I I think of them as being perfectly viable because uh, they're easy to do, and I'm not really a big fan of spending a lot of time designing bases and trying to make things like almost all my bases wind up getting copied. So from that perspective, and I know I'm not the only one. So from that perspective, I feel like they're perfectly viable, and they were designed by RH Base Building, and they are super super good at what they do, and they put a lot of effort into creating some really cool bases for everybody not to have to just come in and redesign something from scratch when the builder base 2.0 update dropped along the same line i did have a question from bdx hunter and the question is how do you approach base design and what factors do you consider when building a new base i'm going to put all my cards on the table here i have not built my own unique base for probably about a year and a half and I put a lot of work into that one. I was being, it was still Town Hall 14. I was putting a lot of work. I really trapped the heck out of this one corner at like what would be the nine o'clock side of the base. I put the Eagle Artillery. It was like a little bit okay to get to, wasn't too difficult to reach. But there were like all my Teslas, all my skeleton traps. I tried like really just like baiting people into trying to charge the Eagle compartment. And it wasn't bad. But what I noticed was I really wasn't dealing, seeing a lot more success. And I was also trying to uh, build against the blizzard because the blizzard was very, very popular at the time that I was designing this. So I tried making a path that, you know, was like kind of like the obvious path for a blimp to take where they could get value, but then a bunch of bombs in there and a tornado trap in there to slow it down and potentially pop the blimp. I put in a lot of effort. And what I found was I hate spending time building bases because it really does take a lot of refinement. It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of fortitude. And I just don't have it. So I, at this point, I just copy bases from people. And then sometimes like I'll move a few of the buildings around. I'll move a few of the traps around. I might change the setting on the the spell tower but for the most part i'm super low effort when i'm building my bases that being said as far as for new people things if they want to design their own bases what i will say uh, if you are going to use a rage tower placed appropriately you can limit the zap potential that people can get against it and still have it cover like two expos and an inferno tower or it could cover a scatter shot an expo and an inferno tower rage spell towers if you they have a decent range on where they will cover those buildings tinker with those as you are building your bases and make sure that you are able to get at least three good defenses covered by those rage towers the invisibility spell towers I see very frequently against the right up against the town hall to you know hopefully cause the town hall to be missed. I honestly don't really love that because a free spell is usually enough to keep the town hall visible long enough for whatever troops are about to take it apart. So I I often tend to put the invisibility spell towers up against stuff like the monolith or maybe near the eagle artillery where as it winds up taking some damage it can just throw off the pathing because I think that's the real key for the invisibility spell tower definitely want to make sure that you are uh, putting the tornado trap in a place that will either you know snag an obvious blimp path you definitely want to make sure you've got some at least a few double giant bombs set up in the base to protect against the blizzards and the super archer blimps of the world but 
aside from that, I just like to space my defenses out. The key, key defenses, scatter shots, your expos, your eagle artillery, your, did I say scatter shot? Scatter shot, eagle artillery, expo, inferno tower, spell towers. Spell towers need to be close to stuff, but the other defenses like your scatter shots, monolith, and your expos, and your and your inferno towers definitely want to be spread well throughout the base. You don't want to give somebody an opportunity to like queen charge through a bunch of those things or blimp whether it's a blizzard or a super archer blimp, and take out a bunch of those defenses. Question number four. One, two, three. Question number four from Big B. Uh, how do you feel about permanent maxed bases at different town hall levels? Follow-up question to that. Does the multi-account player benefit from keeping town halls at certain levels, or is there too much of a risk of boredom? I will say, as a proud owner of far too many accounts, I like having them max the different town halls. It is like going back to almost any video game and being able to replay an earlier level. And you can't do that if you have only one account, and that's probably a good thing. I don't know if that's... I've heard people talk about wanting to be able to have you know, like load up a lower town hall level from where you're at for competitive purposes or for practice purposes. But I love having town halls maxed at other levels because as a content creator, I'm able to provide a lot of different content for players that are newer in the game as they're coming up, whether it's stuff I'm posting on TikTok, stuff I'm putting on Reddit, stuff I'm putting on Instagram, stuff I'm putting on uh, my YouTube channel. I like being able to make content for lower town halls. I also like doing a lot of fun events, and some of the events require lower town halls, and I like to be able to participate at those different levels. So I love having it, and I don't think that there's a risk of boredom, because if you're somebody who is keeping maxed bases at various town hall levels like you probably have too many bases in the first place and you're probably somebody who doesn't suffer from boredom with however many far too many accounts you happen to have question number five coming to us from magnus one of my homies who is fighting out of the red thorn clan he's part of the clash files family and we actually both participated in a race to town hall 10 which i might talk about on a future podcast but uh, we tied we literally like within moments of each other we both finished a town hall to town hall 10 winning the competition that we were in so it was a free-to-play thing so you couldn't just buy a bunch of gems and be done within 10 minutes so magnus's question which also follows on the previous question i think is with all the focus being on the top do you feel there is enough content for lower town halls i say emphatically yes i'm going to go at this from two perspectives one perspective is i remember playing through town hall 8 and 9 and 10 and 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 and i remember hating 15 and only just recently liking 15 again and a new player who's playing through those new town halls now of course if somebody's like i want to be a permanent town hall 11 and i want new content of course that's not really going to wind up happening every now and then you get a new troop like the apprentice warden that you could throw into a siege machine or that you could throw into your clan castle but i i remember how much fun it was playing through the lower town hall levels and there's really no drawback right you can still play as a new player starting clash of clans a month ago you'll still have all the opportunities to enjoy those lower town hall levels the same way the rest of us did you just will probably move through it more quickly because supercell was slowing us down because we were playing at a max town hall 11 and they didn't want us to be done in four months where now you can complete some of these lower town halls very quickly if you need to know how to do that, check out the Clash Ninja tool. Clash Ninja is a super cool guy with an incredibly awesome tool at his disposal. But I do not feel like there is any dearth of content at the lower town halls. And I will finish that off with the second piece of the argument. Back in uh, 
December, I think it was around the holidays. Maybe it was around Valentine's Day. I don't remember. I know that I was listening to the Pineapples and Thorns podcast where they had Darian on there, and they were interviewing him, and I was shopping for my wife. So it was probably near the holidays or maybe near Valentine's Day. But when they had Darian on there, they had asked a question about new stuff for the lower town halls, and I loved Darian's answer. It was so simple and so straightforward. He said there is always going to be new content for the lower town halls. It's called the upgrade button. It's right there on the town hall, which is, I think, an amazing point. If you are ever bored of the lower town hall content, you upgrade your town hall to a new town hall, and presto, you get a new eagle artillery. You get a weaponized town hall. You get scatter shots, battle builders, spell towers. I hate the spell towers. You get spell towers. You get a monolith, and you can continue to enjoy the game. Which brings us to question six from Young Grasshopper. Are there certain defenses you like to upgrade first when upgrading to a new town hall? You know, is it do you upgrade your scattershot, your expos, your eagle, etc.? I don't actually have much of a methodology set up for when I upgrade my town halls. I have so many bases going at once that it's normally just like whatever I can afford to upgrade at the time. If I were to tell you from like when I have a new max town hall or if I have a max town hall, then a new town hall comes out. Like when town hall 15 came out, my number one priority is always placing the new defenses and getting them up to at least the prior town hall level. So like you get a new archer tower at a level 13, I think you get an archer tower or you get a third. Whenever you get a new defense, that's a defense that was already in existence at a lower town hall level, but it's just an extra one. Like you got an extra giant bomb. I always get those at least quickly up to the level of the previous town hall. But in the case of town hall 15, my number one priority was the spell towers to level three and the monolith placed and upgraded to level two. From there, personally, I normally start with my Archer Towers because they are usually less expensive and they give me a decent price per increase in damage ratio that I am interested in. And after my Archer Towers, I'll normally start moving on to the Expos and the Inferno Towers. I usually don't prioritize the bigger defenses like the Scattershot and the Eagle Artillery. I can at least say from personal experience because after the Town Hall 15 Point five, is that what we're calling the update we just got? With all the new defenses that came out, I just upgraded one of my Town Hall 14s to Town Hall 15 so I could start working on the new pets, and I started upgrading my Battle Builders right away. So because Battle Builders actually, between the damage per second, the percentage increase in damage per second, and the healing, it's one of the best values that you can get for the first upgrades for Town Hall 15. I think it's an even better value than the Eagle, better value than the Scatter Shots, better value by far than the Hidden Teslas. But I, I think I just meandered my way through saying, I don't know that I have a preference, but I usually, my methodology is place the new defenses, max out the new defenses, and then I usually start back going through Archer Towers and then Expos, and then I just kind of keep working at it from there. And a lot of it is really, like I said, it's just based on I like to keep the builders occupied, and because I have so many bases, I don't always have the loot available. If I did, it would probably always be just the most expensive thing first because I'd probably be full of loot every time a builder finished up. The final question for today's podcast comes to us from C-Note, who actually is spending some time with us right now in The Good Guys for his podcast. He he tours the Clash community with Clash Tours. Uh, I don't think he has. It's just called Clash Tours. It doesn't. It's not Clash Tours with C-Note, because then he'd have to say, Welcome to Clash Tours. I'm your host. Or Clash Tours with C-Note. I'm your host, C-Note. He just went with Clash Tours. I should have gone with Inside Clash. Uh, so C-Note's question is, when will Trample Damage merchandise be available 
Uh, my wife, for our no, for Father's Day, for Father's Day, she got me a trample damage hoodie and a trample damage beanie. Um, if you ever see me walking around, you'll probably catch me outdoors. And I live in Las Vegas, and even up until like mid June, you'll catch me in hoodies walking around outside. I love hoodies. I love beanies. I'm all about comfort, and I like comforting feelings of soft hoodies. And the heat doesn't bother me like it bothers other people. She got me a trample damage hoodie and a trample damage beanie, and I posted a picture of them, and a lot of people were like, hey, where can I get trample damage merch? So I am looking into, I found one person already, uh, Eric from the One Hive clan who has his, you know, clash with Eric. He uh, told me the guy that he uses to do his merchandise, and my son immediately who had showed no interest in in you know selling merchandise on my behalf at all. All of a sudden, he's like, there's these other websites that are even better for selling merchandise. You got to use these ones. I am going to look into it. There, I'm going to say, you know, it's it's late late June at this point, mid mid to late-ish June. I'm hoping maybe by the middle of July, I'll have figured something out to where we can sell merchandise. And then the five people who are interested in buying a Trample Damage t-shirt or a Trample Damage hat will be able to do so, uh, and we'll, we'll make that available. And we'll see. That's a that'll be the game plan. You know, I I would if anything just do it because people apparently find me entertaining enough and funny enough and friendly enough that they want to uh, sport my gear out there in the real world. I do appreciate all of the support that I get from everybody. Uh, you know, just a big thanks to my clanmates, my co-leaders, all the people that help me out on Discord, all the people that uh, comment on my videos and follow me. I'm, you know, I'm trying to grow my Twitter. I'm trying to grow my YouTube. I didn't even mention any of my social media stuff. If you're listening to my podcast, you probably already know all of my stuff, but use code TRAMPLE. Check out my podcast, <laughs> Inside Clash with Trample Damage, hosted by this guy named Trample Damage. I do appreciate all the support, and I look forward to catching you guys on the next episode.